It is Thursday, November 18th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 11 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaaf. With me, as always, is Jared Smolin. I, I feel like I've threatened it plenty of times before, Jared, but this might be the time, the first week where I actually don't finish the Thursday night game. We got New England Patriots mm-hmm. at the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> we got Patriots as six and a half point favorites, which I don't know, seems a little bit unfair, but it's coming off a good game for Mac Jones. And we'll get to that in a minute. It's up two and a half from where it opened. So I guess the betters like the Patriots side of that over under 47 here. Patriots did just hang 45 points on the Browns. It's the second time in four games that they've scored 45 plus and racked up at least 450 total yards. So I don't know. What do you expect from this? And it's a good matchup too, right? I mean, Atlanta, 30th in football outsiders, pass defense, DVOA, 22nd against the run. Mac Jones has finished as a top 12 quarterback in two of his last four games now. He's been 25th and 28th in the other two. I think he's going to have success here tonight. Um, the question is just, you know, how, how much do they need him? Because we know New England wants to be a run-heavy offense. They're 29th in situation-neutral pass rate over the last four weeks. Jones falls short of, like, quarterback one spot start value to me. I do think he's a nice quarterback, too, because, again, I do think when he does throw – He's going to have success. I just, I'd, I'd be surprised if he has to throw up more than like 30 times tonight. Yeah. And I'm not even, I wouldn't even bet on him getting two thirty pass attempts, you know, unless the Falcons are ready to put up more of a fight in this game. He's coming off 19 for 23 passing last week, three touchdowns. So it's the most efficient game that he has had this year. Great game. And he's a good bet to play well in this one. But for fantasy purposes, it was the first time this year that Mac Jones has hit three touchdowns. It's just the fourth game in 10 weeks that he has thrown multiple touchdown passes. He's averaging 1.3 touchdowns per game. It followed a 139 and one passing game against Carolina, a 217 and zero against the Chargers the week before. So, you know, there's upside in like a super flex, two QB, even deeper one quarterback leagues. But don't overrate Mac Jones based on recency bias. Yeah, you know, that he's been top 12 in two of the last four weeks. But those are his only top 12 finishes of the season so far. He's been much better in real life than fantasy. And that other game was when they just scored a ridiculous number of points against the Jets. Everybody got into the end zone that game. Yep. The Pats uh, have attempted 41 total passes in victories over the past two weeks. So especially if you trust that line for tonight, that six and a half point line and expect them to control this game. I mean, that's only going to push them more toward the running game. So we'll talk about the backs in a second, but I mean, I'm not like Hunter Henry, Jacoby Myers are in play, but I don't think either one of those guys is exciting. And I'm not looking anywhere else here for sneaky pass catching value. And did you know Kendrick Bourne has outscored Jacoby Myers in four straight games now? It doesn't shock me. Yeah, he, he's at, I mean, he's been the, the efficiency has been carrying Bourne. You know, he's been catching a high, a high rate of his targets and averaging a bunch of yards per catch. I still wouldn't trust him. But, you know, Myers um, you know, finally scored last week, um, but he's 57th among wide receivers and expected fantasy points over the last four weeks, li- largely because I mean, hasn't been throwing it a whole lot. So, you know, Myers is a fringe fantasy option, despite the good matchup here. Hunter Henry, um, I, I do think Johnu Smith's status matters for Hunter Henry and Smith is listed. As questionable. Um, so we'll, we'll, you know, see if Johnny Smith ends up active tonight. It certainly can't hurt. I think Kendrick Bourne is also tied with Devontae Smith in targets over that same span. So just for a little context, that backfield, though, I think is the most interesting part here. Of course, Ramondre Stevenson coming off a big game. 
Um, Damian Harris is back though. So uh, Stevenson's going to look tempting. Damian Harris, I think is still the better bet for more touches, but how do you break down this backfield for the Atlanta game? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just guessing at how, you know, Belichick's going to deploy these guys. I do think it's worth noting that, you know, even prior to last week and the two games before that, Ramondre Stevenson had 18 carries and four targets. You know, he, he was mixing in already. Now, Damon Harris had 38 carries over those two games, along with two targets. I, I think you could see that type of split tonight. And, and there should be plenty of carries to go around for, for both of these guys. You, know, you, you could see the Patriots running backs combined for like 30 carries tonight. But, you know, it could be 16, 17 carries for Damian Harris, but, you know, 10 for Ramondre Stevenson. But it, it does seem like they like Stevenson more than Harris in the passing game. Um, and Brandon Bolden is listed as questionable. I think he's going to play. Um, but, you know, if Bolden was inactive, that, that would open up some passing game work probably for Stevenson. So I'm with you. Harris is the better play. But I think Stevenson is in the mix as a running back three or flex play tonight. Yeah. And I mean, I say Harris, the better play, just because I think he's the better bet to lead Stevenson and carries. I certainly wouldn't mm-hmm. be shocked if Stevenson outscored Harris in this game. You mentioned the carries for the past couple games week eight. Or uh, what was it week? Eight? Yes, week eight would have been uh, two games ago before Harris missed last week's game. 23 carries for Harris, eight for Stevenson in that one, four for Bolden. Week nine at Carolina, 15 carries for Harris, 10 for Stevenson, eight for Bolden. Of course, Harris and Stevenson both came away from that game with concussions, but each guy was in the game until the second to last possession for New England. So I don't think anybody really got a boost for, for the other not playing. I guess at this point, you know, that's the key to keep in mind is we're all guessing the second that we think we know what the Patriots are going to do is when we get it absolutely wrong. And he throws out somebody that had no business getting any touches the week before to lead things. So it's going to be a JJ Taylor game here is basically (laughs) what I'm saying. But, you know, I would have to guess that we're somewhere closer to that 15 to 10 of week nine than the 23 to eight from week eight. Just a guess. That's what I'm thinking too. And it makes it easier to start both these guys with the, you know, Patriots as a touchdown favorite um, Atlanta 29th in adjusted points allowed to running back. So again, but both Harris and Stevenson could definitely have nice fantasy games tonight. And certainly no Bolden unless you're desperate because he's, yeah. he's basically JD McKissick without the target upside. Yes. Atlanta side Cordero Patterson is a game time decision with the ankle sprain. And that to me is good news. Uh, Even if he doesn't play, I kind of hope he doesn't play because we were wondering last week, if he was going to miss multiple games, if he had a high ankle sprain, now he's at least questionable for this one game time decision. We'll see if he plays. And I mean, the question, if he is active is going to be, do I play him or not? And this is the kind of question we don't know any better than you, because I don't know how his ankle feels. I don't know how likely he is to tweak it. I think that if you're a game time decision with an ankle injury, you're definitely at an elevated risk to tweak that at any point. Now it could be your first touch of the game. It could be the fourth quarter. I don't know. So you're going to have to weigh that risk and decide whether you're willing to take a shot on Patterson in your lineup. Yeah, man, I'm hoping he's inactive because one, I don't want him to aggravate it and miss more time too. I don't want to have to decide whether to start Correll or Patterson or not. Dr. Chow, you know, based on, video of the injury seems pretty convinced that it's a, it's a high ankle sprain. He called it a mild high ankle sprain. Um, but even in that case, you know, I'd be surprised if the guy's ready to play four days after suffering that injury, which often costs guys multiple weeks. So I'm expecting Patterson to be inactive. Um, you know, we'll, we'll find out around seven o'clock if Patterson is out and it's going to be Mike Davis and Wayne Gallman Gallman, you know, finished with way more touches last week. Arthur Smith basically said after the game that that was because of the scoreboard because they knew they had this Thursday night game coming up. So I think Goblin's going to be involved, but I think if, if you're picking between those two and you hopefully are not, because I don't think either is a great play, but um, I, I do. I, I expect Davis to lead the backfield and touches tonight. 
I mean, we have to take him at his word, but Wayne Gallman's first carry came in the first quarter of that game. So he was definitely more of the game plan uh, heading into that one than at any point previous. 15 carries to four apiece for Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson. I mean, I don't know. If I'm a Falcons coach, why not give Wayne Gallman the ball again and have it at least be like a Damian Harris, uh, Ramondre Stevenson kind of split here because Mike Davis has given us not a whole lot this year. No, you're right that, that Gallman was involved from the start. That's why, again, I, I, th- I think he's going to be involved tonight. Um, I would just, you know, I, and you know, maybe it's close to a 50-50 split. I just, if I'm picking between the two, it would be Davis. Yes, I, I agree with that. We, we have to take the coach at his word. I mean, a couple games ago, we had barely any touches from Mike Davis, and then Arthur Smith said afterward, we're going to get him the ball more going forward. The next mm-hmm. game, he was back to his normal level of usage. So take him at his word. We'll take Mike Davis first. Hopefully, you don't have to use either guy, but... That's the way to break it down. Otherwise, on the Falcons offense, I mean, it's just Kyle Pitts, really. Matt Ryan has gone over the past three games, awful, terrific, awful. So I'm going to go ahead and and bet on the outside rather than the filling of that, uh, you know, terrific sandwich. Yeah, uh, tough matchup for Ryan. Um, It it would make sense to me that he's going to struggle without Calvin Ridley, and especially if Cordell or Patterson's out. Like, it's Kyle Pitts and not much else that Bengal has to worry about. So I would definitely not want to use Ryan tonight. And, yeah, Pitts, I mean – He's been disappointing without Calvin Ridley. I do think he's struggling a bit with like the increased defensive attention, but the volume's been good enough. Where you know he, at tight end, um, you'd have to have another you know top five guy to sit Kyle Pitts tonight. Mm-hmm. And before we get out of this game, here's an interesting one: half PPR scoring. Nikki Banks from YouTube says Ramondre Stevenson or Deontay <clears throat> Foreman this week. Who you got, Jared? Um, I'd go Stevenson. Um, and, and I wish we knew if McNichols was going to be out because if he is out, I'd probably lean towards Foreman. I, I just don't think Foreman's going to do enough in the passing game where I think Stevenson will tonight. Yeah, we haven't ever seen the receiving side from Foreman, so I'm not going to expect much from there. And I think that the Patriots want to run the ball a lot. I think they'll be able to run the ball a lot. I think there will be carries and targets available for both guys. So, yeah, Stevenson was my answer as well. Baltimore at Chicago, the Ravens by six at open. That's down to primarily four and a half right now. It kind of varies depending on where you're looking over under 45 and a half. So not a whole lot of fantasy goodness to mine here. Lamar Jackson, speaking of lacking fantasy goodness, coming off probably his worst game of the year at Miami last Thursday night. I'm not going to worry about that too much with him, though. Still managed a QB 10 finish for the week in a down week for scoring. And that followed QB one. And QB six finishes in fantasy. The Ravens have been throwing the ball more lately. They're 13th in neutral pass rate uh, for the season, according to RBSDM.com. And they trail only Cleveland and EPA per play on dropbacks. A lot of that comes down to Lamar Jackson running on his dropbacks, but you know, that's why we love them. Yeah, and Baltimore's eighth in situation neutral pass rate over the last four weeks, so they're only you know moving more in that direction. I'll, I'll be curious to see because you know what Miami did on Thursday night was they just blitzed the hell out of Lamar Jackson. Miami blitzed on sixty percent of Jackson's dropbacks. So I'll be curious to see if Chicago uses that as a blueprint, blueprint, and does the same thing, and then how you know the, the Ravens respond to that. Um, but yeah, you're starting Lamar here, obviously. Marquise Brown locked in. Rashad Bateman, you know, with Sammy Watkins back last week, Bateman's playing time and his route rate it did sink. Um, but he still saw eight targets in that game. Sammy Watkins sucked. Rashad, Rashad Bateman was good again. Like, I would not be surprised if they go back to Bateman and closer to a full-time role. So I, I do still like Bateman as a wide receiver three play this week. Yeah, and he tied Mark Andrews for second on the team in targets against Miami, even in, you know, a little bit less playing time. 18.6% target share for that game. That was actually Bateman's smallest share in his four games yet. So uh, plenty to like about his role even there. Devin Duvernay was the number two wideout for Baltimore in playing time against Miami. 
I would guess from this point that it was kind of a matchup thing. We've talked about Miami being exploitable in the slot before, and Duvernay has been playing more in the slot lately. So it would make sense for him to get a bit more playing time in that one. If that, if they like him in the slot and the other guys outside, uh, it was his second highest snap share of the season. The only game that Duvernay has had higher than that one was week five against Indy. That was the game before Rashad Bateman rejoined the team and a game that Sammy Watkins left early. Yeah, I, I, I think Watkins probably either wasn't ready for a big role coming off the hamstring or they didn't want him in a big role. Or he, again, he, he just wasn't good in that game. So maybe they just decided to, you know, sit him for, for much of the second half. But again, yeah, I, I do think, you know, B- Bateman just looks good and he's produced and, you know, Lamar obviously likes throwing to him. He's getting targeted on a high percentage of his route. So um, I, I think I think the arrow is still trending up for Rashad Bateman. Yeah. And then going back to the blitz heavy game plan, you know, I, I think that we always tend to say when we see a game like that, uh oh, they might have figured it out. Let's see if the next defense does the same thing. Well, you know, Baltimore knows what happens in that game, too. They're going to be reviewing the tape. They're probably going to have a plan for this game if they get another blitz heavy attack. So I don't think either of us is betting against Lamar Jackson or the Ravens in general. Uh, it will be interesting to see. If Chicago tries to go with more of that Marquise Brown, by the way, we talked about the the passing volume. He has certainly been benefiting from that. His efficiency has come way down early in the season. He was exorbitantly efficient on, Mm -hmm. you know, less than exciting touch counts or, or target counts. Now his targets are way up though. 12 plus targets in three straight games, 10 plus in four of his past five, his efficiency's down. So I think we can kind of balance that out. Probably the targets aren't going to stay quite up where they are, but the efficiency is probably going to rebound a little bit. Yeah, Brown is third among wide receivers in expected fantasy points per game over the last four weeks. He has a 34% target share in his last three games. So he, he is he is locked in as, as a wide receiver one going forward, I think. And that's after I traded him away for Calvin Ridley. So you're welcome, everybody who has Marquise Brown right now. The backfield looks like it'll get Latavius Murray back. He was limited in practice Wednesday and they released Le'Veon Bell. And that suggests to me they expect Latavius Murray to play in this game. I still think Levante, Levante, I'm just going to lump them all together and make one player. Devante Freeman, I think, deserves to be the top guy and touches still. He's got a higher rushing DVOA on the season than Latavius Murray ninth among 52 running backs in that category with at least 15 carries, but fewer than 80 carries on the season. Murray has been okay in that area as well. 17th in that group, but still not quite at the level of Freeman and Devonte Freeman also has a positive receiving DVOA. So he's been better than Latavius Murray in both of those areas, as well as PFF elusive rating. And this will be Murray's first game back to off a high ankle sprain. You know, he, he was out three or four weeks. Um, so I'd be surprised if he's you know back, back in the lead role. Um, I, I think, Murray probably just steps into the role Le'Veon Bell was playing in Devontae Freeman. Now, Freeman's played 58% of the snaps exactly in each of the last two games. I, I, that'd kind of be my projection for this week. I, I think he's a decent running back three or flex play. On the Bears side, David Montgomery reclaimed his workhorse role, played 85% of the snaps against Pittsburgh last time out. 13 carries, two targets to four carries and zero for Khalil Herbert, who played just 10 snaps in that game. So David Montgomery is back to you know being useful. The offense, meanwhile... It seems to be getting better. Justin Fields has certainly looked much better his last two times out. Not to the point where I'm interested in using him outside of two quarterback and super flex leagues, but he does at least look better than Teddy Bridgewater, who's somebody I've been playing over Justin Fields in a super flex league. Uh, No, I'm sorry, a two quarterback league uh, to this point, really. 
Yeah, Fields is second in PFF passing grade over his last two outings. He's completed 64% of his passes, averaged 8.3 yards per attempt. Now, I think most importantly, the, the rushing has started to come. You know, 10 carries for 103 yards and a score two games ago, eight carries, 45 yards in that game against the Steelers. The reason this matchup is so interesting, though, is because, you know, what where Fields has struggled this season is against the Blitz. Remember that game against the Bucs? Uh, the Bucs blitzed them 44% of the time in that game. He's been blitzed just 32% of the time and 28% of the time over his last two games where he's had success. The Ravens are one of the Blitz-heaviest defenses in the NFL. So that, that to me, is why it's still wait and see on Justin Fields in one-quarterback leagues. But if he delivers in this matchup, that then I think you know we can start to consider him as you know a lower end quarterback one the rest of the season. Of course, we have to wonder too if Pittsburgh laid out the blueprint of beating Fields by hitting him late <laughs> and expecting the refs not to call it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Darnell Mooney, I think, remains the better bet than Allen Robinson. Neither guy has reached 70 yards in a game since week four. So I would prefer to not play either one. Robinson, of course, has yet to get to that number in any week. And Robinson didn't practice on Wednesday. I think I think it's with a hamstring, which is concerning coming off the bye week. I mean, maybe it's just a day off for the veteran, but well, that's definitely worth keeping an eye on. I think it's probably out with melancholy based on how this year has gone for him to this point. <laughs> yeah. Cole Komet gets the best matchup among Bears skill position players in this one against Baltimore. Ravens allowed the third most PPR points per game to tight ends so far. Sixth friendliest matchup for the position, according to our adjusted fantasy points allowed. Yeah, Komet has averaged 6.3 targets over his last four games, and he's 11th among tight ends in our expected fantasy points per game over the last four weeks. So he's, you know, he's been getting low end tight end one usage. And like you said, the matchup is good here. So I, I think Komet is a nice spot start option this week. I was just looking at our tight end rankings before the show and the, from like nine to 14, the guys look exactly the same. Like it yeah. looks like a group that you would bring yeah. into a police lineup <laughs> to have somebody pick yeah. out, you know, who was the one who stole their bread. But, but it's not as ugly at tight end this year as it has been. Yeah, A lot of these weeks we get down to like tight end 16 and it's, the, I'm not excited about the guy, but it's like, okay, this guy, you know, he, he's probably not going to get me a zero, which is, you know, more than you can say um, for the past few seasons at tight end. Yeah. I was looking at the group because of Zach Ertz and he's 14th. And I, you know, I, I was looking at that and thinking I'm okay with Zach Ertz and I'm not sure I would jump him ahead of any of the guys in front of him, but we'll talk yep. about more of those players as we get to the other games. In fact, one of them is in this next game, Green Bay Packers at Minnesota Vikings Packers by two and a half here over under 49 and a half. And I mean, the big story is no Aaron Jones. It's got a knee sprain and it comes in the same week as Cooper cups by. So my main event team is crying <laughs> over this one, but it's possible. We only lose Aaron Jones for one game. Possible. Yeah. The timeline we've gotten is one to two weeks, but Green Bay has a, what is it? A week 13 buy. So, you know, Jones could miss two games, get the buy and come back probably close to hundred percent in week 14. So I think that's most likely. And I think AJ Dillon is a running back one while Jones is out. I mean, I feel very confident that he's going to dominate the running back carries and, you know, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon have combined to average 22 carries per game this season. So I, I think you could get Dillon up around 20 carries. The, the question is how much passing game work he'll get, you know, Dillon averaging 1.8 targets per game, this season, but Aaron Jones leads behind 4.7. Um, you know, Dylan's not going to get all that. I, I think Devonta Adams is probably a you know winner here. Not that he needs any help, but I think he probably gets even bigger target share with Jones out. But I do expect Dylan to, to pick up, you know, an extra target or two per game. Um, so maybe three or four targets uh, while Jones is out. So again, good matchup here too against the Vikings. I, th I think Dylan is like a top 10 running back play this week. Yeah, I agree. He's at least averaging 1.8 targets more per game than he was as a, as a, in his final <laughs> season at Boston college. So that's right. Um, yeah, I like him this week, like him as long as Aaron Jones is out. I mean, he would be in play next week, even if Aaron Jones comes back for that game. 
I think, but uh, we'll, we'll deal with Aaron Jones being out for now. Aaron Rodgers also didn't practice Wednesday listed with the toe issue. He was listed with that last week. I believe it was Saturday that he came off the COVID list. So they just like added him to the injury report. There was no game status. So it doesn't seem worrisome, but you know, the fact that he didn't practice Wednesday says there's at least something there. Yeah, he talked to reporters on Wednesday, and he didn't seem concerned. He was like, "Oh, it was, it was you know, nice to get a, a day off and, and do some rehab." So it's probably something. Um, I don't expect it to keep him out of this game, though. Tougher matchup for Aaron Rodgers, who has really struggled against Mike Zimmer's Vikings historically to begin with, and Minnesota's just been pretty good against the pass this season, better than I would ex- have expected them to be. Um, they're sixth in Football Outsiders' pass defense DVOA. Um, they're getting Harrison Smith back this week it looks like Patrick Peterson might be back so the defense is getting healthier and Rodgers he's a low-end quarterback one which is really what he's been all season I think he, he remains that this week yeah he's one spot ahead of Joe Burrow in our rankings right now I think I'd probably lean Joe Burrow over Aaron Rodgers I mm-hmm. I could see I don't know it's Aaron Rodgers Kirk Cousins Derek Carr Ryan Tannehill it's tough for me to sort those guys because I think any of them could outscore <laughs> the rest of the group. I'd probably lean Rogers assuming that toe is not an issue by the end of the week. And, you know, we'll see what uh, he says on the Pat McAfee show about uh, how his toe is going. Right. Yeah. I'm with you. I would, I would use Burrow over Rogers. We can, we can make that change in the rankings. Sweet. Rogers did torch the Vikings in both meetings last year, mm-hmm. Sent total touchdown passes. You know, that was about the worst Vikings defense that we've seen at any point um, since Mike Zimmer took over that team. This one, you did. You said Harrison Smith's coming back. I think Anthony Barr is probably going to play in this game, but the, the Vikings are still lacking some pass rush, and I think that's especially worrisome when you have Aaron Rodgers uh, coming to town. So, yeah, I, I would play Aaron Rodgers over most of those guys that I said, but, you know, kind of packed in that group. And, you know, you mentioned that maybe Devontae Adams is a target winner here. There should be targets available without Aaron Jones, but – it's tough for me to point to who gets them besides yeah. Devontae Adams. So I don't, I think ultimately I'm not looking at any Packers as sneaky wide receiver plays. This week. Yeah. The, the pass route rates last week for the other wide receivers, Randall Cobb was next behind Devontae Adams at 72%. They had Marquez Vela Scantling at 70% and Alan Lazard at 63%. So they were basically, you know, two guys wrote, wrote or three guys rotating for two spots behind Adams. Um, so into, until that clears up, I don't think you can trust any of those guys. Yeah, it's like the Titans backfield of wide receiver situations on the Vikings side. I mean, it's all the usuals. It's another positive matchup for Tyler Conklin, who I was talking about Mm -hmm. in that mix of tight ends. Packers are ninth most friendly to the position by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. If we played Tyler Conklin last week, we definitely got lucky, Uh, caught three balls Mm -hmm. for 11 yards. Two of them were touchdowns, but 13th among tight ends and expected fantasy points over the past four weeks, 16.2% target share, which is solid for a tight end over Minnesota's past four games. Yeah. The, the targets have come up for Conklin um, five, seven, seven, and five over the last four games. Now it's kind of as KJ Osborne has been, um, you know, filtered out of the offense. Conklin's sort of taken over as the clear number three option in this passing game. So I do think again, in the positive matchup, like you mentioned that Conklin is, is a nice spot start option this week. I would, I'd play him slightly over Cole Komet. I just like the upside a bit more in this offense. Yes, I agree with that. Any, anything else worth discussing on the Minnesota side? I mean, Kirk, Kirk Cousins, um, he's, he's PFF's top graded passer through 10 weeks. He's just playing really well. Um, his last four fantasy finishes have been quarterback two, and quarterback 21, but then quarterback six and quarterback six. Um, Green Bay, though, they their defense has been a lot better lately. They're up to eighth in Football Outsiders' past defense, DVOA. 
seventh in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So not a not a great matchup for Cousins. Um, again, I think he's playing well enough. And when you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, um, I think I think he's in that low line quarterback one mix this week. Yeah, I mean the Chargers weren't an awesome matchup for him last mm-hmm. week either. He fared fine in that one. So yeah, he's just in that you know QB ten to. 12, 13 mix, and he definitely could outscore the rest of the group around him. Um, if, if I have Kirk Cousins, I'm not looking for somebody to start over him. Um, if you have Kirk Cousins and like Aaron Rodgers or Ryan Tannehill on your roster, the answer to who do I start is really like flip a coin. <laughs> yes. Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets. Dolphins by three and a half over under 45. Jared, six straight Jets games have gone over in terms of total points, but now they run into the dolphins who have had three straight games go under and four of their past five go under. So I guess we'll see what prevails here with a, you know, modest line of 45 total points. We do have Tua Tungavailoa back who kind of came back by force last week after Jacoby Brissett got knocked out of that game. Of course he outperformed Brissett in that one. Didn't really favor any individual target though, in his passing. And the whole situation is weird that like, you know, two of us, healthy enough to, to play and played pretty well when he came in for Brissett, but you know, they weren't starting him. So strange there. You know, I think the finger is still worth watching. Two of us limited on Wednesday. I'd like to see him get in a full workout either on you know Thursday or Friday to feel really good about using him. But the matchup here is obviously awesome. You know, you talked about all those Jets games going over. That's because they've been giving up 40 plus points every game. Um, they're dead last in football outsiders past defense, DBOA uh, 31st in adjusted points, a lot of quarterbacks and Tua had, you know, he's had two, easy matchups this season, Jacksonville and Atlanta. He went 329 yards and two touchdowns versus Jacksonville, 291 yards and four touchdowns versus Atlanta. So he, you know, he's proven capable of, you know, capitalizing on these good matchups. Yeah. He's not in QB one range, but it wouldn't be shocking to see him score in QB one range. Mentioned he spread the targets around when he did come in for a piece for Albert Wilson and Mike Gusecki. One of those was wiped out um, by a penalty. So it looks like three for Gusecki, three for Waddle, Two for Miles Gaskin. I think Waddle, Gasecki, Miles Gaskin, all solid to good plays in this matchup against the Jets. Gaskin especially gets a Jets defense that has allowed five more running back rushing scores than any other defense in the league, along with three receiving scores. Yeah, best matchup for opposing backs. Um, you know, Gaskin has averaged 2.8 yards per carry over the last four weeks. Like this Dolphins running game is just horrible. Maybe he averages, I don't know, 3.5 yards per carry this week, but if he's going to get 15 carries, that's fine. He's still doing a lot in the passing game. Use him here and then trade him quickly. Albert Wilson, by the way, I I mentioned he showed up for usage last week, but it was the first time that he has topped 33% playing time since week three. So I wouldn't consider him a a thing in most fantasy formats. Will Fuller, also apparently not ready to be a thing. He's still dealing with the worst finger injury of all time. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's still a concentrated offense with Waddle and Gasicki. So I think you're starting both those guys and then no one else outside of Gaskin. When's Devontae Parker eligible to come back? I think next, I think this is his last week on IR. I mean, we'll see if he's actually ready to come back. On the Jets side, it's QB number three of the year. Mike White has gone from being the next Kirk Cousins to the next Nathan Peterman. So that means Joe Flacco gets a turn now. Probably bad news for the running back target shares, really, because Flacco in his career has tended to be a deeper dot passer. Uh, you know, we've had exorbitantly high target counts for Jets running backs. You know, Michael Carter is still certainly in play in RB2 range, but I think it's time to wait and see on Ty Johnson. Yeah, Mike White was, again, like 40% of his passes to running backs last week. Amazing how consistent. Um, yeah, Carter, 
he's losing more passing down stuff to uh, Ty Johnson over the past couple of weeks, but you know he's still getting 15 or so carries per game. Miami's defense has improved. Um, they're up to 14th in football outsiders run D, so Carter's okay. I'm not excited about him. I, de- I definitely do think the move from White to Flacco hurts Michael Carter. Yeah, definitely hurts the the running back target shares there. And at wide receiver, Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder were the clear leaders in playing time last week, more so than what the targets would say. 84% for Davis, 83% for Crowder. Elijah Moore third at 56%. He was actually closer to Keelan Cole in playing time than he was to Davis and Crowder. Targets, like I said, more spread around. Seven for Corey Davis, six for Cole and Moore. Uh, five for Crowder. Crowder's the one among these guys who has actually played with Joe Flacco before with the Jets last year. Got 29 targets over Flacco's four starts. Yeah, man, I love Elijah Elijah Moore. I still think he's very good, but his production has been so fluky these past – I mean, even even last week, you know, the touchdown came in complete garbage time. I think it was their last drive of the game after Flacco came in. Um, Elijah Moore's 51st among wide receivers and expected fantasy points per game over the last four weeks. I still don't think you can trust them. And still until that playing time and basically until Keelan Cole goes away and more is, you know, something close to a full-time player. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, if you need them, then cool. We know the upsides there from just not from a talent standpoint, but otherwise Davis Crowder look like better bets to get the target volume. All right. New Orleans at Philadelphia Eagles by two. It opened as a pick them over under a 43 and a half. So don't expect a whole lot of fantasy stuff here, but maybe we should expect more from Trevor Simeon than what we've gotten lately. Huh? It seems like he's been a bigger fantasy factor than we thought. <laughs> quarterback 10 and quarterback four in fantasy points last week. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw that he, you know, he's been, He's been good enough to keep Taysom Hill off the field, which is kind of you know, the biggest fantasy impact here, I think. I'm um, still not using Trevor Simeon outside of two quarterback leagues, but um, you know, he, he actually has been decent through these first two starts. Yeah, certainly part of his fantasy finish last week was scoring being down at the position. I think that scoring mm-hmm. 21 points got you into like the top eight or maybe even six last week. Not using Trevor Simeon this week if I can help it. Also not using any of the Saints pass catchers if I can help it, but if I need to reach down into wide receiver four range, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris are in play more so Traquan Smith. And if you look at just the numbers, Deontay Harris's targets lately suggest that he's a better bet. Both he and Traquan Smith have been spending time in the slot, but Traquan Smith is the much better bet to be on the field at any given point. Harris is playing around 40% or even less of snaps. Smith is up to 80% and 91% playing time the past two weeks. He's also got an average depth of target. That's a yard and a half shorter than Deontay Harris's. So you tend to look at Traquan Smith and think downfield guy, but he's spending a lot of time in the slot right now and seeing moderate routes in terms of how deep they're going. That could make him an attractive target for Trevor Simeon, especially if the saints fall behind in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's not a shock that Traquan's role has has grown here. I mean, you know, before he dealt with all the injuries in the summer, I would have guessed that he would have been the most productive Saints wide receiver, you know, with, with Michael Thomas out. So that, I think Traquan's just finally healthy now, and he's he's stepping into that number one receiver role, I think, in this offense. He's run around a 91 and 93% of the dropbacks over the last two weeks. So I, I do think he is in play as like a wide receiver four. Um, you know, still just tough to get excited about any part of this uh Saints passing game besides besides my guy Adam Troutman you know consider continues to run a ton of routes continues to see nice targets um good matchup here against Philly Philly 29th in adjusted points allowed to tight ends dead last in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings you know Troutman below Cole Komet below you know CJ was home I'm trying to think who else is down there but um he's in the mix if you're desperate at tight end I'll say that much about Troutman 
Hey, how can you not get excited about baby Witten and a 30 pass attempt offense? <laughs> exactly. Alvin Kamara limited practice Wednesday. So that gives some hope that he returns for us this week. I mean, you're obviously playing Alvin Kamara. If he's active, we're going to have to watch the situation with his knee this week. I think Mark Ingram is still in play, at least in RB three range. Even if uh, Alvin Kamara is back though, there's still, you know, the chance that they limit Alvin Kamara some versus his usual touch count. Yeah, I think Ingram would be in the um, Ramondre Stevenson kind of tier, you know, expecting 10 to 12 touches if Kamara's back. Yes, I agree with that. On the Eagles side, they probably don't stay at just 33% pass in neutral situations, but there's certainly no reason to expect a draft a drastic shift back in the other direction, which is where they were early in the season, and their offense was struggling more than it is right now. So the question, I think, is... Primarily, how does the work get split if Miles Sanders is back this yeah. week? As is a possibility, he's been designated to return, has not been added to the active roster yet, seems to be trending in the right direction. And I mean, Nick Sirianni didn't do anything to help answer the question for us. He called it a good problem to have. I'm sure it's a good problem to have if you're the head coach. It's a really crappy problem to have if you're a fantasy manager. Yeah, and Sirianni also said that, you know, Sanders is a starter, but different situations and packages might not make it look that way. Meaning, you know, in some games we might see Jordan Howard lead the way or kind of Gainwell get back in there, you know, as the, the pass catching back. So yeah. And especially in this matchup, the saints are first in football outsiders run defense DVOA. They're also first in adjusted points allowed to running back. So that, that makes it to me pretty easy to just avoid it. Um, hopefully we get Sanders back and we see how the work is Debbie. Then we can kind of go from there. Yeah. I would play both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson over any Eagles running back in this game. Me too. Jordan Howard has played well, though. It hasn't just been a matter of getting touches. He's 17th among all running backs in PFF rushing grade on the season to this point. You know, not a special player by any means, but it's understandable that the Eagles would say, yeah, we're not just going to toss him back on the practice squad. He'll still be involved. Yeah. And if if Sanders is out, then I think, you know, Howard and, and Boston Scott become, you know, lower end running back three options. Jalen Hurts, meanwhile, one of the few quarterbacks that you can still say it's fine to start him despite league low pass volume. Uh, the rushing is still there. The the carries have actually picked up in recent weeks. So he's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, a key part of that rushing offense, whether it's from a drop back position or true running plays. The scheme does make Devontae Smith a risk reward play, though, coming off of two big fantasy outings. Yeah, it's it. A- Tough matchup here for Philly, too, because, again, the, the strength of the Saints' D is against the run. So, you know, we'll see if that pushes them a bit more towards the pass. I, I think Devontae Smith is, is a wide receiver three right now. Um, you know, he he's posting really strong market shares. Um, it's just, again, the passing volume has been so low that it hasn't really led to big raw target totals for Devontae Smith. I kind of expect the same thing this week. But if the Eagles start to get into games where they do fall behind and have to throw more, I think, you know, that's going to be going to be good news for Devontae Smith. And you could start seeing getting, you know, eight, nine, ten targets a game. Yeah, I would at least shop him this week and see what the you know, what kind of price you can get. It's not somebody that I want to get out from in case the bubble bursts and he yeah. crashes. But I would bet yeah. that he sticks in kind of this five to seven target range the rest of the way because the Eagles are better off if they're not slinging the ball around too much. Yeah, I mean, Smith has finished wide receiver two and wide receiver six the last two weeks. So it's never a bad idea to, to shop someone that's finished as a top six wide receiver the last two games. Dallas Goddard will see if he is ready to play in this game. He is in the concussion protocol. So, you know, it's just a matter of whether he has time to make it through. Yeah. yeah and he didn't practice on Wednesday. So, you know, I think in most cases when a guy still isn't practicing on Wednesday, they end up not playing. So I'm not expecting Goddard to play on Sunday. Uh, Jack Stoll and Tyree Jackson actually pretty much split sna- uh, routes down the middle after Goddard uh, left last week's game. So that's a situation to avoid. <laughs> 
I can't wait for Tyree Jackson to catch a touchdown in this game and the one person who played him on DraftKings <laughs> to go tweeting about it. Wins the Millie Maker. Before we get out of this game, I want to mention Quez Watkins as just like a low-level dynasty stash because uh, he's not going to get to the level, I think, of being useful in redraft for you know season-long leagues this year, but he's clearly outperforming Jalen Rager to this point. And earning touches as a result of it. 435 speed on Quez Watkins. He's old for like a young player. He's 24 already, had his college breakout at 21. So I'm not saying go trade for him because there might not be really anything to mine here, but somebody worth sticking low on a dynasty roster, especially because this coaching staff isn't the one that was in place when they drafted Jalen Rager. So it doesn't have any particular connection with Rager. Yeah, Quez Watkins is, is better than Jalen Rager. That's you know that's that's the best I can say for him. <laughs> now I think it's early to give up on Jalen Rager completely. He's just a year and a half in. Was a first round pick, but it's it's not starting well. Not looking good. Indianapolis at Buffalo Bills by seven over under 50 Carson Wentz had a rough game against the Jaguars. And if you look at just the, the raw, usual traditional stats, it looks like his worst game in a while, maybe all season. But according to the pro football focus passing grades, he was worse in week eight against the Titans and against the 49ers in week seven. And if you group all that together, his three worst passing grades of the year have come among the past four games. This freaking Jaguars defense has cost me some money the last two weeks, shutting down Josh Allen and then, you know, doing what they did to Carson Wentz last week. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think coming off that performance now on the road against, you know, the best pass defense in the NFL, you're obviously not using Carson Wentz this week if you can help it. The Josh Allen game was goofy. I think Carson Wentz, it's like, oh, okay, now I need to stop and realize that Carson Wentz has not been as good lately as his touchdown numbers indicate oh. and, and rethink my usage on him. Certainly for this game against Buffalo. You know, otherwise, I think the indie offense is what we had the way we treat it every week. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's in lineups. Michael Pittman is in most lineups. And there's yep. not a whole lot beyond that. Yeah, I agree. You know, this, this is the toughest matchup the Colts have faced in a while now. They've really had a, a string of favorable matchups. I, I do think you're downgrading Pittman to, you know, more of a wide receiver three this week. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor, you know, he's still in running back one territory despite the matchup. And I think that the Bills might still be without Starlo Tulele at defensive tackle. I think it was Sunday last week that he went on the COVID list and he would be key to that run defense. So it would make that uh, matchup better for Jonathan Taylor. On the Bills side, the Colts are also a better defense than the Bills have faced through most of the season. It's at least the best defense that they've faced <clears throat> since Tennessee in week seven, maybe since Pittsburgh in week one, you know, depending on the rating system and how they're playing that particular week. The Colts are currently 10th in overall defensive DVOA, also just 23rd against the pass, though, and they've been the sixth right. best scoring matchup for quarterbacks by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. Yeah, this Colts defense is good against the run. Football Outsider sends them second in run defense, but like you said, 23rd in pass defense. You know, that, that's not a good formula against the Bills, who don't really want to run it anyways. I mean, these two teams played in the, the wild card round last year, and Zach Moss and Devin Singletary combined for 10 carries in that game. You know, the Bills didn't even really try to run I expect a, a similar game plan here. So I like Josh Allen. I like Stefan Diggs. I think I think Emmanuel Sanders is still in play, even though his production has tailed off recently. Cole Beasley's the guy I think you can't use. Um, you know, he's been dealing with this rib injury, and he only played nine snaps last week, and he did not practice again on Wednesday with the rib issue. So even if he's active, um, I, th I think we need to see Beasley you know, back in a full-time role before we can trust him. 
And the matchup is not a gimme in the slot against the Colts either. So, yeah, um, I agree with with trying to back off of Cole Beasley this week. Dawson Knox, though, could be somebody who benefits from the Cole Beasley situation. The Colts are adding 54% to opponent tight end fantasy scores on the year. That's the top matchup for the position. Yeah, Knox had just one target in his return last week, but he ran a pass route on 74% of the dropbacks. You know, that's 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 what we need to see. So, yeah, I, I would feel okay going back to Dawson Knox this week. Yep, right in that range of, uh, you know, funny-looking white dudes ahead of Adam Troutman, but, you know, alongside Tyler Conklin and the other crew. For sure. Detroit at Cleveland Browns by 11.5, up 1.5 from where it opened, over under 43.5, which is down 3. The Lions have the lowest implied team total of the week, 16.25 points. You know, it doesn't get it doesn't help that Jared Goff is iffy for this game with an oblique injury. I mean, it might not hurt the way Goff's playing. I don't know. Tim Tim Boyle's the backup. I don't know anything about Tim Boyle. Um, no, Tim Boyle's still uh, <laughs> on the on injured reserve. It would be David Blau time, I think. Well, no. Uh, Dan Campbell said Wednesday that Boyle took first team reps in Wednesday's practice. He's he's been you know designated to return. Um, so and and Campbell you know basically said if Goff's out, it would be Tim Boyle. Yeah, David Blau is more fun. So <laughs> I, I'm yeah, not interested yeah. now. This whole game, really. I mean, it's just like it's Nick Chubb, it's yeah. DeAndre Swift. It's CJ Hawkinson, even though last week was as bad as it could possibly get for Hawkinson. That one at least followed games of 11, nine and 11 targets. And it was just the third time all year that he has fallen short of eight targets. Yeah. It's just, you know, ridiculous that Hawkinson could go up what f- five quarters worth of football and only get one target. I, I, I would, I expect this is a situation where the lions are like, okay, let's get him a bunch of targets early on to, to fix that. So you're going back to Hawkinson Swift, obviously, although it does look like Jamal Williams, is trending towards returning this week. So you know that you're not going to get another, uh, you know, 33 carries out of Swift this week. You know, you're, you're still starting him on the Brown side. I mean, ba- Baker Mayfield is just so beat up. He has the knee injury. He suffered last week. Um, he was on the injury report coming into last week's game with a foot issue. He still has the left shoulder injury that he's been playing through. Um, I, I would expect the Browns to just run the ball as much as possible in this game. So I, I don't really like any pieces of this Browns passing game. I like to imagine film sessions being like they were in high school football for games like this. And if in that case, it would have been a fun week to be on the lions defense and have the coaches yelling at Jared Goff and the offense <laughs> every single time something happened or they're like, you see this big guy here with the hair coming halfway down to his butt. You threw the ball to him 11 times last week. You throw it to him. None. What, where are you throwing it? Khalif Raymond. Come on, Jared. We expect more out of you. Football doesn't have to be hard. You know, just throw it to your best players. <laughs> That's right. Anything else in that game? Please say no. No, no, I, I, I do. You have to keep an eye on Nick Chubb, though. He's still on the COVID list as mm-hmm. of Thursday. Um, so, you know, obviously, Dearness Johnson is an RB1 if Chubb does not make it back for Sunday. Yep. Although, John Kelly is off the COVID list now. As, as Ian Rappaport said, it's a step in the right direction. I'm not sure for <laughs> whom, but, um, yeah. you know, we'll see who exactly is available. Washington at Carolina Panthers by three and a half. It's up one and a half from where it opened and over under 43 Washington's 29 point outburst against Tampa followed games of 10, 10 and 13. So it's definitely easier to play Antonio Gibson this week than it was last week or the previous month. Um, But not much else changes for me on this Washington offense. No, it's Gibson and Terry McLaurin. We'll see what's available at tight end. You know, Logan Thomas still isn't practicing. Ricky Seals Jones did not practice on Wednesday after hurting his hip last week. Um, so I'm not sure either of those guys are going to be available on Sunday. Samus Reyes week. 
Oh, they had John Bates. Remember, they took John Bates in the fourth yeah. round of the draft. He he was actually the guy that stepped in as the lead tight end last week. So I'm not sure Samus Reyes is a real guy. I think it's just somebody that they I've seen him out there. I've, I've seen him in the in the flesh. Yeah, I mean, I I know it's a person, <laughs> but I'm not sure that it's not an actor playing Samus Reyes, and that rather than somebody who's actually going to be a tight end in the NFL at some point, we'll see. It'll be interesting, however it plays out. But Tyler, Tyler, Taylor Heineke has not reached 250 passing yards in a game since week four. So I'm not betting on anything here, um, no matter what its name is. Carolina side, the Panthers, it's tough to say whether they're being coy or they're just not sure if Cam Newton's going to know the offense enough in time, but it sure seems like he's the better bet than PJ Walker to start this game on Sunday. Either way, I expect it to be a limited offense and Cam Newton's Mm -hmm. a TD reliant guy. So, I mean, it's going to be easy to kind of get excited after he scored two touchdowns on like <laughs> what four plays last week. He's stashable as a fantasy QB, but I would certainly rather not use Cam Newton in one QB leagues this week. No, not in one quarterback leagues. Um, I do think in, in DFS, I know he's cheap on DraftKings, so he'll be worth looking at there. And in two quarterback superfuck leagues, I mean, he Newton's one guy where a limited offense might be good if that just means you know he gets ten to twelve carries, um, and the matchup is good here too. Um, Washington near the bottom of the league in, in, in pass defense. And they're without Chase Young. They're without Montez Sweat. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's a defense that's struggled even when healthy. And now they're, now they're not healthy. For sure. I think this game's just going to end up being like 13 to nine though. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Um, it, 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 Cam Newton for me is like that wide receiver who gets three targets, catches two of them for 88 yards, scores twice. And then you're like, Oh, I'm going to pick him up and think about starting him next okay. week. He's Devery Henderson at quarterback. I did just add him in a uh, football guys league. Um, where I have Jalen Hurts. Hurts has a week 14 bye, and Newton plays the Falcons this week. So he's going to be my week 14 starter. I was actually looking at Cam Newton as a week 14 backup for Jalen Hurts owners when, you know, talking to somebody else who's a, a Draft Shark subscriber about backing up Jalen Hurts for just that reason. So yeah, I like that stash. Elsewhere on the Panthers offense, Christian McCaffrey's all the way back, looked at last week. So that's good, certainly for all, all fantasy owners that have him. I'm going to need to see another week of at least usable stuff from Robbie Anderson before I'm giving him a serious look though. Yeah, me too. Cam should be better than the quarterback play that Panthers had been getting. Uh, but man, they, they almost, they might just throw it even less than they have been. And they've already been the run heaviest team in the NFL um, over the last four weeks now. So I'm not, I'm not sure DJ Moore's volume, you know, it might, it might actually decline with Cam under center. Um, so, you know, more, more I'm, I'm starting, you know, not excited about, and then yeah, I'm with you with Robbie Anderson. Uh, maybe stash him if he was dropped in your league, but definitely wait and see situation. I mean, I would hope to not even have to start DJ Moore. Honestly, I think he's Devonte Smith without the <laughs> touchdown upside. Yeah, the matchup's so good though. Washington dead last, and adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So that 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 would be what would you know push me. He's definitely not a must start. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think he's startable. I think that, yes, I I would agree that he's startable. I think the range that he's in is it would be a difficult decision for me among DJ Moore, Christian Kirk, Rashad Bateman, and Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, that's fair. I think I'd use him over all those guys, but that's, you know, that's the tier he belongs in. Mm -hmm. Anything else from that game? Nope. You don't have any Tommy Tremble stuff? Oh, nothing on Tremble. San Francisco at Jacksonville, 49ers by six and a half. It's up one over under a 45 and a half. Jimmy Garoppolo, as much as you guys want Trey Lance to take over a quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo has been sneaky good, especially lately. Three straight games with passer ratings over 100. 
and with two touchdowns. He only threw 19 passes in the lopsided win over the Rams, but completed 15 of them at 9.6 yards per pass attempt, 70 plus percent completions in two straight games. Jimmy Garoppolo is a solid fantasy QB two for this week and, and good for the efficiency outlooks of his pass catchers. Yeah, probably not a coincidence that he's played better now that he has George Kittle back and Brandon Ayuk is you know, ready to be back in a full-time role. Um, Garoppolo first in PFF passing grades over the last three weeks. Um, so, yeah, he's playing well. The matchup is good. The concern here, it's kind of like the Mac Jones thing. It's like how much is Garoppolo going to have to throw against Jacksonville? You know, that'd be my concern. But, again, he, he should be efficient when he does drop back. And, and the Niners have, you know, one of the higher implied totals of the week. It's kind of crazy, but uh, Debo, George Kill, easy plays. And uh, there was nothing worrisome in Brandon Ayuk's week 10. He got four targets. That was 21% of Garoppolo's attempts for that game. Three straight games for Ayuk with at least 88% playing time. He ran around on every single pass play last week. So the role is still there. Um, this is going to be the case in this low volume passing offense. Now that you have Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle, you know, there's going to be low target. I mean, Debo Samuel only saw five targets last week and he still had a monster game he, his seasons has just been ridiculous but yeah i mean you're you're you know gonna have some low volume games for Ayuk in this offense yeah eli mitchell is a question mark here with a finger injury so um we'll see if he plays in this game if he plays i think he's an easy rb2 level start if he doesn't jeff wilson jr i wouldn't say easy but a, a solid starting option yeah I'd, I'd be starting wilson if i have him if mitchell is out um i think you know i mean trey sermon would would be active maybe he'd get on the field but i mean you know, he, he didn't he didn't play a snap last week it was all elijah mitchell and jeff wilson so to me wilson is clearly ahead of trey sermon and he, he'd you know be the clear carry leader if mitchell misses this game and the matchup is good obviously and we've got a question on youtube right now asking about uh, picking a running back between wayne gallman and jeff wilson jr of course gallman going tonight in the thursday night game so you have to make that decision ahead of the atlanta game i think even yeah. if cordero patterson does not play i'd probably try to wait on Jeff Wilson Jr. Figuring I'm not missing anything special with Gallman, even if I have to, you know, just fall back to desperation play if if Wilson's not my, you know, not an attractive option by Sunday. It, it's it's definitely Wilson for me because even if even if Patterson is out and Elijah Mitchell plays, I would still like Wilson better in that scenario. I mean, Wilson got 10 carries last week, even with Mitchell playing that entire game. I mean, they ran it like 40 times as a team, but they could do the, a similar, it could be at a similar number this week against Jacksonville. So it would be Wilson over Gallman for me. Nice. Houston at Tennessee Titans by 10 over under a 44 and a half. The Texans are just busy rejoicing that they're not the lowest implied team total this week. Of course, <laughs> Detroit behind them there, um, but there's still nothing to use here besides Brandon cooks, right? Yep, exactly. Tennessee defense is also improving. They're up to 12th in overall DVOA. So only makes Houston players less attractive on the Titans offensive side. Good spot for Ryan Tannehill, as we kind of alluded to. Um, you know, he's in that mix with guys like Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins. Yeah, kind of, kind of good news, bad news for Tannehill since uh, they lost Derek Henry. The, the you know situation neutral pass rate has been up, as we talked about last week. It was up again um, last week against the Saints. His efficiency has been down though, just six point six yards per attempt over the past two weeks after averaging seven point six yards per attempt over the first day. Maybe it's just a small sample size thing um you know they have played you know the saints were a tough matchup last week um, but it would make sense that you know he's going to be less efficient without henry in there um that said though you know the matchup against houston 25th and adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks i, I do think Tannehill is in the you know streamer mix this week yeah i also think that they'll probably still limit the passing volume 
uh, in this game that I, I think yep. they'll control along the lines of what the line of what the, you know, Vegas line says. Yep. Agreed. Um, and that backfield is just a jumble right now. I mean, Deontay Foreman is kind of getting talked about just because people are so running back hungry. He looks the best between him and Adrian Peterson. Uh, and that I think, you know, gives upside that maybe the Titans decide to give him the ball more, but we haven't seen it yet. Last week, Adrian Peterson was still getting more passing down opportunity and goal line opportunity. Yeah, that's right. Peterson actually led the backfield in, in pass routes last week. The, the thing to watch here is Jeremy McNichols is in the concussion protocol. He didn't practice on Wednesday. We hadn't, we, the team never announced anything after that game, but um, he's, he's in danger of missing Sunday's game. And if that's the case, then, you know, it just becomes a two man backfield with Foreman and Peterson that that would make Foreman easier to trust in this plus matchup. Yeah. And they would still, I think both be in play and we would be guessing as to the touch counts between them. Yep. I'm not chasing one game of Marcus Johnson though. What about you? I'm not, I'm not either. Um, you know, it does look like he's the Julio Jones replacement. The last two games Julio has missed, you know, Johnson's been close to a full-time player. So he's that guy. If you're desperate, you know, the matchup's good. Tough to count on the Titans supporting anything in the passing game outside of AJ Brown. Yeah. He did at least do some stuff for the Colts too, back, you know, a couple of years ago at this point before he joined the Titans. So um, he's not, he's certainly not a, a bad player and there's upside just more of like a cheap DFS flyer right. than somebody I want to trust in my season long lineup. Yep. I agree. Cincinnati at Las Vegas, the Bengals by one over under 49 and a half. I think both quarterbacks look good in that low QB one yeah. range. That we've alluded to multiple times. Joe Burrow had a bad one at Cleveland his last time out, but it's the first time all season that he did not toss two touchdown passes. He still completed 70% of his throws in that game, still threw for 282. Really, I think it would we'd be looking at it differently if instead of throwing a 100-yard pick six to Denzel Ward, he had thrown a touchdown. Yeah, yeah Burrow had been a top nine fantasy quarterback in his three games before that the Bengals sixth in situation neutral pass rate over the last four weeks. So that, you know, they've done the opposite of the Eagles. They went from, from run heavy early on to that. They're back to being a pass heavy offense, which is you know what we saw under Burrow last year before his knee injury. So I kind of expect that to continue. That makes Burrow a lot easier to like. And which they certainly should be with what they have in that offense, yeah. including Joe Mixon as a good pass catcher. Derek Carr at the same time, he rebounded from a down game at the Giants. Not a great game against the Chiefs, but 261 and two touchdowns in that game has had two TD passes in seven of his nine games this year. The Bengals mm. arrived to this matchup as a friendly scoring spot for quarterbacks, and for running backs, for wide receivers, unfriendly to tight ends. But I don't really care for Darren Waller. And my, my only concern with Carr is just him. He, he hasn't been very good these last two weeks without Henry Ruggs. Um, everything is down for him. The average depth of throw is down. His yards per attempt is down. His PFF passing grade is down. He's actually 28th in PFF passing grade over the last two weeks without Henry Ruggs. But you know, like you said, this matchup is good. I like this game in general. I mean, these are two pass-heavy offenses. The Raiders are ninth in situation-neutral pass rate over the last four weeks. So I do think this game has shootout potential. So that, that puts – car and play, even though, you know, it's kind of the same situation he was in last week against the chiefs. And yeah, he got there um, with the, with the late touchdowns, but I mean, he didn't, he didn't play very well in that game. I think one key difference is we get another week of practice for Deshaun Jackson, who should yeah. at least help out with the Henry Ruggs repla replacement plan. I think mm -hmm. the key for him this week will be making sure he doesn't do the spinning bat thing before he goes out on the field. <laughs> I, anyone else, I would have been like, what are you doing? Deshaun Jackson, I wasn't surprised. Like he, he does, he has one, play that just makes you shake your head every season it seems like 
<laughs> if he only has one, then you're doing well with him. That I, I don't know. I was watching as an Eagles fan. I was watching the game where he dropped the ball before crossing the goal line against the Cowboys. I was more surprised by turning and running. I don't know, yeah. trying to run a circle around the defender in that game against the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good spot for Hunter Renfro, who is already wide receiver three, might even be a wide receiver two this week. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's finished wide receiver 14 and wide receiver 10 the last two weeks. He has seen 22.5% of the Raiders' targets in the, the past two games without Henry Ruggs. That that leads the team. Uh, good matchup against the Bengals, 25th in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So I, I, think, I think Renfro is a wide receiver two in PPR this week. Josh Jacobs also in a good spot. Um, and I can, I'm just going to go back to forgetting that Kenyon Drake exists. Yeah. Uh, Drake is averaging three and a half carries in games with a healthy Jacobs this season. He had one big target game among those four or five. The rest, he's been like, you know, one to three targets. So he, he's not usable. Yes. And the Raiders, meanwhile, have been a terrific scoring matchup for running backs and tight ends. Obviously, we're playing Joe Mixon, and we're happy that he's back from a bye. C.J. Uzama is a sneaky option this week. Only the Eagles have allowed more receptions or yards per game to tight ends than the Raiders have, and it's just barely on the yardage front. Yeah, I like the matchup. Again, I like that. I I expect this to be a high-scoring game. Uzama's just so thin because of the the targets. I mean, three, three, four, and five targets over his last four games it's just it's tough for him to earn targets when you're you know competing with jamar chase and t higgins and even tyler boyd yeah if you're looking down in tight end 15 range then i think uzama has upside versus those guys i'm I'm playing him over somebody like adam troutman i, I like uzama as a, as a dfs tournament play right you know he could pop for two touchdowns if this turns into a shootout oh yeah baby and he'll do it from far away unlike uh ty conklin with the with two touchdowns on 11 yards last week hey they're all they're all touchdowns they all count the same no, they don't. With Uzama, it's going to be two touchdowns <laughs> right. for 78 yards. Okay. Okay. Arizona at Seattle. Cardinals by two and a half. Opened as Seahawks by two. So a big change here. Over under 48 and a half. And one thing that's changed is Kyler Murray practiced Wednesday. Well, he practiced Friday last week, too, you know, before missing that game. Uh, the Cardinals do have a bye coming up soon. That you know, that's that's the only kind of complicating factor here. Cl- Cliff Kingsbury on Wednesday was still non-committal on Kyler's status. So, you know, I, I think. We're not going to know until Friday at the earliest, and he might end up a game-time decision again. I mean, you certainly should be non-committal. I don't know why a coach would commit to anything on a Wednesday when it really it doesn't even behoove them to commit to things right when the game is happening. So we'll see about <laughs> Kyler Murray. I certainly think it's encouraging that he's practicing on a Wednesday. DeAndre Hopkins not practicing on a Wednesday, so we'll see about him. Yeah, I would not expect Hopkins to play. You know, Hopefully coming off the bye, he'll be ready. The, the wide receiver core last week, you, you had – Antoine Wesley replaced DeAndre Hopkins in the starting lineup. So you had Wesley and AJ Green on the outside with Christian Kirk back in the slot, which is you know definitely where Arizona prefers Christian Kirk. And then you know Rondell Moore is just the, the fourth wide receiver. So Moore is not usable. You know you're not using Antoine Wesley. Christian Kirk is is the best play in this wide receiver core. Um, he, he's been productive um, really over the last five games now. He has four top 36 finishes over the past five weeks. And also the, the Seahawks where they struggle in pass defense is against the slot which is, you know, again, where Kirk should be playing this week if the if the Cardinals go with the same, you know, wide receiver rotation they used last week. Yeah, Kirk, a fairly easy start in three wide receiver leagues in play, even if you only have to start two wideouts. A.J. Green's on the fringe. Rondell Moore is going to be good at some point. And Andy <laughs> Isabella is starting a support group with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Yeah, so sad. Positive matchup for Zach Ertz. Um, mm-hmm. Okay role for him, though. So he's kind of in that mix of tight ends that we talked about before where you're really – you're flipping a coin 
because it's just who happens to get a, a touchdown look and end zone target in that group. The role is fine. It would certainly help Ertz if Kyler Murray is playing in this game. Right. Ertz's route rates have been strong and they've increased um, the past. He was at 54% in his Cardinals debut, but then he's been 70%, 84%, and 81%. So th- those are nice numbers. Um, I, d- I do agree he needs Kyler Murray back to be someone we can trust, but I don't know. Maybe he might, Ertz might be a guy to go out and trade for this week if you're you know hurting at tight ends. I, I do think he, he could be useful once the Cardinals get Kyler back. I would say that if Zach Ertz is a trade target for you this week, then your team is in pretty good shape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put you over the top. Zach Ertz brings you to the championship. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Even if Kyler Murray does play this week, I'm not sure that Zach Ertz would jump over Dawson Knox, Pat Fryermuth, Cole Komet, or Tyler Conklin, which are the guys listed directly in front of him right now in our PPR rankings. Yeah, our, our rankings um, right now assume Kyler Murray is going to play. So, you know, those guys might all drop a little bit if it ends up being uh, Colt McCoy or or Chris Streveler, I guess, because McCoy got hurt last week, too. So we'll have to see about the Cardinals quarterback situation. On the Seahawks side, terrible return game for Russell Wilson. Now, are we giving him a mulligan here, Jared? No, because I think it was because of the finger injury. Man, and he was horrible. Um, worst game I've seen him play. He was dead last among quarterbacks in PFF passing grade. And a tough matchup here, too against Arizona, you know, fifth and adjusted points allowed to quarterback. So if, if you can, I would try not to use Russell Wilson this week, you know, make him show us he's healthy and then you can get him back in your lineup. He's sitting 15th in our quarterback rankings right now. I'd have a hard time starting him over Jimmy Garoppolo this week. feels gross, but it, yeah, it would, it would not be crazy. It's one of those things where you got to like cover up the names. Uh, you yeah. know, if, if you say yeah. out loud, I'm going to start Jimmy Garoppolo over Russell Wilson. That's terrible. But yeah. if you look at all of the factors, it's like, it really makes more sense to go ahead and play Garoppolo. He's the safer bet. Yeah. And again, if it was just Russ coming off a random bad game, I wouldn't be worried, but I, it, I find it hard to believe that the finger wasn't an issue last week. And we don't know, you know, if it's going to be less, how, how much less of an issue it's going to be this week. There's still plenty of start your studs out there. I think Russell Wilson, Overall, for his career, counts as a stud. Right now, in his current situation for this season, doesn't count as a stud. Yeah, it's different when you're you know, quarterback dealing with an injury to your throwing finger. Right. I'm definitely giving his wide receivers a mulligan where it makes sense. I, I, I'm not, you know, they're not both top 14 or anything for me, but I'm mm-hmm. more willing to take another shot on DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett than I am to use Russell Wilson this week. Yeah, Metcalf has been horrible against Arizona. Now, that those previous games all came with Patrick Peterson. So maybe, you know, maybe that's the explanation, but worth noting. And Tyler Lockett, of course, you know, his, his 200 yard, three touchdown game came against the Cardinals last year. He had nine catches for 67 yards and a score in the other game. So you know, maybe DFS purposes, you might lean toward Lockett this week. Um, but I, I do think they're both, you know, starters in season long leagues. Should we believe in what we saw from Gerald Everett last week? Sort of. I mean, I don't think he's going to lead the team in, in catches every week. I, th- I think that was probably a, a product of Russ not, being able or, or wanting to throw downfield is just a lot of short stuff to, to Gerald Everett. Um, his Everett's playing time has been strong really the past couple games now. Um, he did miss practice on Wednesday uh, with, I, I think it was a hamstring. It was, it was some soft issue. So um, that's worth watching if you're hoping to use Everett this week. That is how Gerald Everett always responds to a big game is he's not practicing Wednesday because something's wrong. And then he's probably not playing the following Sunday just to give us enough time to forget about what he just did. Alex Collins, speaking of forgetting, Chris Carson is still not progressing as we had hoped uh, if we're talking in Pete Carroll's voice. So Alex Collins, if his groin is fine, looks like he'll keep the backfield lead. 
Yeah, and this was down to a two-man backfield last week. Rashad Penny and DJ Dallas didn't play a single snap. Now, Carroll said earlier this week that you know he he was hoping to get Penny in there. I don't know if you're hoping he could have just done it. Um, so I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if Penny gets back involved this week. But you know, it does look like Collins continues to be the lead ball carrier. He's not doing a lot in the passing game, so I think you know that kind of keeps Collins in, in the running back three group. Yeah, Pete Carroll's just a hopeful guy. That's what he says. But Rashad Penny has done nothing to force his way yeah. into that backfield at any point. So I'm yep. not buying it. Dallas at Kansas City. And finally, the centerpiece game of this week. The Chiefs by two and a half over under 56. And I mean, you just play them all. Play everybody yeah. from this game. Yeah. Um. So a couple notes I have. Amari Cooper put in a full practice on Wednesday for the first time since week eight. He also had his highest route rate last week in a while. So he looks to be getting healthy. Good timing here with this Chiefs game coming up. Michael Gallup, he was in or out on 55% of the dropbacks last week. Seems like a low number, but they pulled starters um, late in that game. So Gallup seemed to be back in, you know, something close to a full-time role. So I think Michael Gallup is in play this week too, just because we expect so many points in this game. Even left tackle Tyron Smith is back to a limited practice Wednesday. So Dallas is getting healthier there as well. On the Chiefs side, what about Clyde Edwards Lair? What's the latest on him? Yeah, we don't know. Um, Andy Reid said Wednesday they you know, might be this week, but they might decide to hold them out one more week. So by Saturday at four, it's a deadline for them to activate CEH if he's going to play. So we'll know by then um, if, if he's in. My, my guess is that Everett Zolaire will return to the lead role. Um, he was already seeding some passing game work and most of the goal line stuff to Daryl Williams before his injury. Maybe he seeds a bit more after. Um, so I wouldn't be super excited about CH, but I do think if you own Edwards, Alaire and Williams and they both play this week, I think Edwards, Alaire is, is the better fantasy bet. Yeah. But one of those situations where you wouldn't be shocked if Williams outscored him. So yeah, kind of yeah. hope if you do have both, you kind of hope that they hold out CEH until he's fully healthy. And then maybe we yeah. get more of an idea of what he's going to get. Yeah. Cause I mean, Daryl Williams is, you know, he's getting RB one usage with, Everett's a layer out. So he's, he's, he's a locked in starter. If Everett's a layer does not play again this week, Pittsburgh at the chargers on Sunday night chargers by five and a half up two and a half from where it opened over under 47. And we're going to have to see about Ben Roethlisberger's chances of making it off the COVID list. Mike Tomlin says they'll quote, build our plan around Mason Rudolph playing, but quote, leave the light on for Ben Roethlisberger. So if he makes it off the COVID list in time, he'll be the starter, but we don't know. Yeah, and Big Ben is washed up, but after watch, watching Mason Rudolph last week, like, like Big, Big Ben is much better for this offense. Mason Rudolph was just a complete disaster. He averaged uh, 4.8 yards per pass attempt against the Lions. So if you're you know, hoping to use Deontay Johnson or Pat Fryermuth, you're definitely hoping that Big Ben comes off the COVID list by Sunday night. Yeah, Roethlisberger's washed up, but Mason Rudolph is the kind of dirty that doesn't come off. So exactly. Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, Either way, good matchup for Fryermuse. So let's hope that the better quarterback is in there. Six plus targets, 60% plus playing time in four straight games for him. Yeah, his um, playing time did come down with Eric Ebron back last week. Um, but he, he still saw nine targets. And we can't be we can't can't be too picky at tight end. Um, you know, until the targets stop coming for Fryermuth, he, he's a starter. All right. On the Chargers side, nothing sneaky as far as I can see. Jared Cook remains a TD or bust option. I think the yeah. biggest Chargers question right now is whether to keep rolling with Mike Williams. My answer would be probably yes, obviously depending on the options. But I wonder if week 10 showed us the Chargers trying to get him more involved because since week four, his dot had been up from where it was through the first three games. But last week, they started throwing him short stuff. All six of Mike Williams' official targets in that game against the Vikings came in the short range. He had a seventh target. 
that got wiped out by a pass interference penalty, but that one went deep and he drew a pass interference on it. So mm-hmm. it would make sense for the chargers who have not mm-hmm. been as good overall on offense as they were early in the season when Williams was delivering, it would be, it would make sense for them to get him more involved and find ways to make that happen. It would make sense. Um, you know, the, this whole offense has gotten more conservative since the bye week. you know, that the, they had that total disaster against the, the Ravens. Then they went on by. And since then, they're they're passing less. Their situation neutral pass rate is down from 61% to 54.5%. And Justin Herbert's average depth of throw is down too from 7.9 yards to just 6.7. The passing game's kind of being being hamstrung now by by the play calling. Um so ho- hopefully that changes. Yeah, I, I would I would stick with Williams in most cases. I mean, the usage just hasn't been good though. He's 69th among wide receivers in expected fantasy points over the last four weeks now. So it's not it's not like he's just been inefficient on strong usage. You know, the usage just hasn't been there lately. I, I'm going to, you know, count on the chargers changing that. Cause I think they need to, to get the offense going again, but you know, Williams definitely comes with, with risk as we've seen the past few games now. Yeah, I think Williams looks similar to Devonte Smith for me in that the target count isn't where you want it to be, but there's boom potential if he gets it. And I would be playing Mike Williams over DJ Moore across formats. Yeah, lots of um, injuries on the Steelers' defense here, too. T.J. Watt, he looks iffy. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, he's on the COVID list, right? And then um, Joe Hayden is hurt as well. So, you know, three three starters on this defense might be out on Sunday night. New York Giants at Tampa Bay to round us out on Monday night. The Bucks by 10.5 or 11, depending on where you look, down a little bit from where it opened. Over-under of 49.5. Taylor Heineke and Antonio Gibson in Week 10 – really gave hope to whatever you're hoping to get from any giants this week. Um, But again, as usual with the giants, it's going to start with injuries. We don't have any official reports from practice yet as of this recording, because it's, you know, Thursday midday here and it's the Monday night game. So they start with Thursday reports. doesn't sound like Sterling Shepard is opening the week in a hopeful vein, still working off to the side Wednesday, according to reporters. Yeah, I don't expect Shepard to play. Um, you know, Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, and Darius Slayton, they were all healthy for the game before the bye. So th- th- that those are probably be your top three receivers on Monday night. I, I don't I don't like this spot at all for the Giants offense, the passing game in particular. Um you know, the Bucks are a blitz heavy defense. Daniel Jones is not do well against the Blitz. He's twenty seventh in PFF passing grade when blitzed this season. So I, I'm not excited to use any pieces of the Giants passing game. But you know, we'll see exactly how the how the routes and the targets are divvy between the wide receivers. But I mean, Kadarius Tony uh, has, has been disappointing the past couple times out. I'm not sure if it's been because of injuries, he should be healthier now. Um, but you know, Kadarius Tony and Galladay, they'd be, you know, wait and see guys for me this week, if I can help it. And all three of those wide receivers played exactly the same number of snaps the last time out. So I, I would have to assume that they stick with a similar three wide out alignment this week against the defense yeah. that every offense goes pass heavy against, but You know, it's tough to guess who's going to get targets, especially because last time we saw them on the field, we only got 20 pass attempts from Daniel Jones. We don't really have a whole lot to judge from that game. It does look like Saquon Barkley is going to be back this week. Um, Obviously not an ideal matchup. The Bucs are going to be without Vita Vea, though. They're big, you know, run clogger in the middle of that defense. And the Bucs have also been susceptible to pass catching running backs. They've allowed the ninth most running back catches. So, um, you know, if Barkley's in there, I'd, I'd probably consider him like an RB2 this week in the first game off the injury and a, you know, unfavorable matchup. Um, but I think, you know, in most cases you're starting an active Saquon. 
Yeah, and I mean, it would certainly make sense to use him in the passing game as a way to counteract that blitz. So uh, obviously, Saquon Barkley doesn't really need a case made for him if he's active most of the time. Feels worth mentioning that Evan Engram has played his two highest snap shares of the season the past two weeks, not past two weeks, past two games. 82% last time out, just four and three targets in those two games, though. I'm, I'm convinced that Jason Garrett's wife is too big a fan of Evan Engram, and that's how he's, you know, getting back at that. But you know, maybe this is a game where he makes some sense to counteract the blitz. I don't know if we get more pass volume, it, it's entirely possible. We get twice as many pass attempts in this game as we got the last time the giants played. So, you know, if you're looking down in tight end two range, I, I think there's at least potential for some target upside for Evan Ingram, although it's probably going to go to Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. Well, Ingram's finished uh tight end 14, tight end eight and tight end eight in his last three games. So you know, he's, he's been producing, uh, the Bucks are kind of, you know, below average in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. They're 19th in football outsiders tight end coverage ranking. So Ingram's okay. I'm happy to just ha- have, him in, have him in some best balls. He'll help me on occasion, but I don't feel good about starting him in any given week in a lineup setting league. Yeah, it's certainly best to not have to decide to put him in any lineups. Um, on the other side, the Bucks are the only team implied, <coughs> excuse me, the only team currently implied for 30 plus points on the week. So let's just go ahead and ignore what happened against Washington last week and hope for no sleepy Tom in the Monday night game. Oh, sleepy Tom's back. That's right. I'm at least on Tom Brady watch here. He, his four worst PFF passing grades of the season have come over the last four games. Now he's 19th or sorry. He's 17th among quarterbacks in PFF passing grade over that span. Uh, now most of that has come without Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski, which obviously hurts. And we don't know about those guys. It, 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 Brown was on the practice field today on Thursday. We don't have the official practice report yet, but um, it seems like he's at least getting close. If not back this week, I'm not sure about Rob Gronkowski yet, um, but I'm at least, I'm at least watching you know, Brady is uh, what is he 50 years old now? So like one of these years, he's going to tail off. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Let's hope he's not yet sleepy Tom permanently, but yeah, it will be worth watching. Chris Godwin, by the way, last week we were wondering about the foot played his normal level. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Um, normal level target share was there. Um, so we don't have to worry about that. And then, you know, again, we'll see about Antonio Brown. Uh, Tyler Johnson is knocked off the fantasy radar. If Brown is back this week. Mm-hmm. Now let's close it out with one quick question because we've got from YouTube, a question with these wideouts and PPR, you got to sit one of these four, Mike Williams, Tyler Lockett, T Higgins and Hunter Renfro. Who are you sitting Jared? So it seems crazy to say, but Higgins and Renfro are in for me. You know, Higgins is my top guy. Renfro is just so much safer than Williams and Lockett. I think I'd sit Lockett just after what I saw from Russ last week. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know if he's ready with that finger. So I think Lockett would be my bench there. I definitely agree with the decision being down to Williams versus Lockett. I think from there it's a coin flip because I, I don't know if Mike Williams is going to get any more targets. I don't know if Russell Wilson is going to be an NFL caliber quarterback this week. And I mean, I'd be lying if I said I knew either of those things. So Coin toss between those two guys. Both of them have plenty of upside and downside risk this week, but I I agree with playing Higgins and Hunter Renfro pretty easily among that group. That's going to do it for this week 11 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. You can see our full week 11 rankings to help you finalize all of your lineup decisions. Check the My Teams page. That's where you get the customized lineup recommendations based on all the settings that you enter. You can also find us anytime in the free Draft Sharks Discord. You can find the link to join us there in the description for this podcast, wherever you might be consuming it. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks. 
so much for swimming with us. 